sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That can't be. We can't have that. With Donnie, baseball right side. It's good times now, obviously, with all the changes to Major League Baseball, as I like to put them, every single one of them better than the next. You're going to get the same amount, if not more scoring and more action all at once in a shorter, condensed time frame. It would be like me coming on and going, yo, Kevin, you know what makes a football game better? Put in 17 more commercial breaks. I I love the the breathing of the game, Kevin. And Kevin K. Master Walsh. This morning got me ready. This look going into to yesterday, doing research, giving out the pick six yeah. for people, giving out World Series previews and and predictions. I felt that that energy this morning. You know whose idea was putting like a massive behind the scoreboard clock? That's one of the worst ideas of all time. I, you don't want anybody thinking about the pitch clock on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 159. All right, we're here at hour number two. It's Monday Line. Donnie Wrightside here. I got you covered for the next hour with the hottest topics in sports and a lot of fun to be had by all. So let's get it started here about some topics that I am passionate about. And one of those are uniforms in sports. Sure, we all have our favorite teams. And regardless, they have a terrible uniform. You probably still love them because why? That's your uniform out there. That's what you like. If anybody has been paying attention in Major League Baseball, you see what's going on here. And it started in the NBA. I mean, hockey, I don't even know about hockey. Hockey's basically been a walking billboard, it seems like, for years at this point. So let's just start with Major League Baseball. Teams always are looking to increase revenue. You can't fault them for doing that. Because when you go to a Major League Baseball game, when you go to an NFL game, you go to an NHL game, You go to an NBA game, you are inundated with ads left and right. I always used to joke, like I was a season ticket holder for the Philadelphia Eagles for quite some time, from 03 all the way through to the championship season in 2017. But the Eagles, when they opened their new stadium, Lincoln Financial Field, they had a nice size scoreboard up there. But again, all over the stadium, the running, like, you know, LEDs around the field always have ads going in. You know, every single chance they get to take a commercial break, the loud music comes on with ad after ad after ad. Everybody's sponsored. This first down is sponsored by this. This touchdown is sponsored by this. This big hit is sponsored by this. All of that stuff. You get the picture, right? But the uniform wasn't really touched up because maybe a Reebok sign or a Nike sign on the uniforms. That was fine. But the NBA introduced the patch on the uniform. Which, when it first comes out, we always, oh, man, the sanctity of our uniforms, man. They've been doing this around the world for quite some time. The EPL, you know, those teams are worth billions of dollars as well. They don't even have, like, a logo on their shirt for themselves, basically. It's whoever gives them the most money. Ah, Chevy cars. Yeah, boom. They're right the the front of the kit, as they like to call it in soccer. But in the NBA, they started to say, you know what? We're going to get a couple million dollars a year for a small little patch. Like, let's just say if it's right on the right shoulder, Weeble. Uh, Kodak, Mercedes, whoever it might be at this point. And at first you look at it, oh, you know what, that's interesting, that's there. But after a few games, you really don't even notice. It sort of just blends in overall with the uniform itself. And they're getting a couple million bucks. Other sports leagues take notice. And even sometimes 
in the NFL. Now, the NFL doesn't have them on the uniform, but if anybody has seen any press conferences or players talking or coaches talking from those individual teams, they actually have sponsorships on their practice uniforms, whoever it might be. That's a way to generate money because, like, well, who goes to practice? It's not who goes to practice. It's how many times that practice is going to be filmed and how many times those players are going to talk after practice with that logo of a hospital car dealership or a FTX who's now out of business. Like, right? They pay a lot of money for that type of stuff, for that ad viewership. But looking in Major League Baseball, the first time I actually noticed it was really a few days ago. Because I saw the announcement, which I believe came back in February. It was the Houston Astros and the Oxy logo. And I guess Oxy is that, you know, eh, clean anything with Oxy and all that good stuff. Great. But it was so gigantic on their sleeve and so out of place. Like you can't help but not see it, recognize it, right? It's unbelievably big and ugly and basically overtakes their uniform. So for a couple million bucks a year, you're selling out. Now, the New York Mets followed through and did the same thing. Now, granted, I'm only noticing this because of social media and when they retweet it or bring it up or it comes out. It looks like a joke. And I'm not saying again that you're not supposed to actually do this as an organization. Steve Cohen has more money than God. But then again, he didn't get rich because he was turning down money all over the place, right? No, he didn't do that. It's unbelievable. It's a New York Presbyterian Hospital Square. Now, usually you think to yourself, have you ever seen where they would put a logo on, like, let's say, either side of the Major League Baseball uniform? Let's just say a great player in your organization passed away. There'd be like a little golf ball sized patch with the number on it. Or if an owner passed away, it would have like the initials on there, like a golf ball sized patch. This is just a giant, plain square. That says New York Presbyterian. And it like the Mets have a pinstripe jersey and it doesn't have pinstripes to go along with it. It's outrageous to see how this looks. Now, the Mets and Steve Cohen, who granted Steve Cohen's very good on social media and he follows through on things. He's getting into it as well. And there might be changes. But I want to talk about uniforms here and why they have changed so much. And we're going to get to the bottom of what's actually going on in professional sports. It's Moneyline. Come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Big hot topics this weekend, Masters action, NBA action, Major League Baseball, all wrapped up in the one. Good time to be alive. Good time to be in this sports environment. But as we wound up teasing here, going to commercial break, the uniforms and the issues that I have with those. And we were just talking about the Mets uniform, that giant New York Presbyterian patch, which looks ridiculous. I like how Steve Cohen, you know, saw everybody. There's not one single Mets fan out there that say, you know, that's awesome and fantastic. And also, sometimes when you take a look at, like, ad revenue and how to spend it, I mean, let's be honest. New York Presbyterian, like, as a hospital itself, does that lead you to say, okay, uh, if I snap my leg, make sure you take me to New York Presbyterian if I'm in the city? 
because I saw their patch on a Mets uniform. I don't know what it does, but they spend money, and that's the way they do it. June Lee put out an article here on ESPN following up here with Steve Cohen, and it says, Steve Cohen saw all of the memes about the New York Mets sponsorship patch and decided he needed to make the change. Quote, they're Philly colors. They should be more Met appropriate. Yeah, I think you're missing the, the ballpark here, Steve Cohen. I don't really think people are upset because it's a red-lettered patch, right? So what is it supposed to be, blue, and that would make it better? It just looks ridiculous. Like, again, when we talked about what you put on your uniforms, what we're used to, it's a smaller little, you know, and, and also, I, I question this as well. Like, can you see the NBA ones? It's not really a patch on some of them. It's just like the name of the company sort of blending in with the uniforms. If you see this one, it's a giant square patch, but only using like a third of the actual patch with writing on it. Why does it have to be a patch? Why can't it just be sewn into the side or stitched into the side where it says New York Presbyterian on the uniform? Not actually a huge patch, which just takes a chunk out of the uniform. It is kind of ridiculous. But also, other uniforms that you get upset with that have changed in the past. We've all seen changes out here. And I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan. We have one of the worst changes that ever happened. Ever happened. In professional sports. The Philadelphia Eagles going away from their cherished Kelly Green. Because a new owner came in and decided he didn't like the Kelly Green. That's absolutely horrendous. And ridiculous. Absolutely. And Kelly Green for decades was the Philadelphia Eagles cover. An all color. And also an unbelievably awesome uniform. If you've ever seen highlights from the 70s and the 80s, like the Ron Jaworski teams in the late 70s, early 80s, unbelievably cool looking uniforms. And then the Randall Cunningham years, along with Reggie White, beautiful uniforms. Silver pants, Kelly Green jerseys. Or the silver pants and the white jersey with the old eagle. There's no reason to change that whatsoever. And we talk about Dan Marino and the Miami Dolphins. One of the sweetest uniform combinations I have ever laid my eyes on were those 1980s Miami Dolphins teams right up into the early 90s. Absolutely beautiful. The helmet, tremendous. They get a new owner. It's like, let's get a fresh take on the Mar- excuse me on the Dolphins uniform. What? Now the color scheme is still there, but my goodness, every time that the Dolphins wear their throwbacks, like I, I want to get down on one knee and shed a tear. The thing's a beauty, man. Like, why do we go away from that? How about if you keep it in the AFC East, and you go up by ninety five. About 1,000 miles or so, maybe more than that, 1,500 miles. You go from Miami all the way up to Boston. Man, the New England Patriots had unbelievable fire uniforms in the 80s. The Patriot on the helmet, snapping the football. The red jerseys, every time under Brady, they went to those throwbacks. They were absolutely sensational. And now they have these stupid metallic uniforms that are terrible on the Patriots. Again, if we looked at teams in the NFL, like the New York Giants, how iconic of a franchise they are. Couldn't you imagine if Wellington Mara 
and Tish sold the organization, let's just say in 1995, a new guy came in and goes, you know what's awesome? Carolina baby blue. And that's going to be our new colors here for the New York football giants. I mean, that wouldn't work. What happens if somebody bought the, you know, Kansas City Chiefs and changed that red to more of like a burnt orange, like Texas? Like, hey, man, I graduated Texas. This is going to be our new color scheme here. Or even the San Diego Chargers back in the day, which are now the Los Angeles Chargers. The powder blues, one of the most gorgeous uniforms in history, which now they only wear every once in a while as an alternate. How ridiculous that is. I mean, crazy town. And then we talk about the NBA, right? How many uniforms they actually wear. There are some nights that I tune into the NBA, and I'm actually not sure of what team is playing. And I always joke with Kevin. The Cleveland Cavaliers' LeBron James era really kicked this off. Where they just about wore a new color scheme every single night to try to sell more jerseys for LeBron James and the rest of their players. Outrageous. Yellow, purple, gold, red, green, blue. Any, no, anything you can deal with, they actually made those changes to. So uniforms, come on now. Some of the greatest uniforms we've ever seen have been changed. And some that we hope never change probably will end up changing. It's ridiculous here. Now, let's keep it here in the NFL because i got a lot of topics that I want to get through. Almost that offseason that has sort of calmed down that I need to see start to get fired up. I really do. And that starts with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. March 15th, Aaron Rodgers stated that he wanted to play with the Jets and seemingly the Jets only. Bridges have been burned with the Green Bay Packers. I want to get out of town. I want to be on my way. Today, still not happening. When is Aaron Rodgers going to actually be a Jet officially? Because this week they signed Tim Boyle as a backup, which was in Green Bay, probably a really good friend of Aaron Rodgers. Zach Wilson probably will still be on that roster also. They've signed wide receivers he wanted them to sign. Who knows if they get Odell Beckham? Are they going to sign any tight ends that Aaron Rodgers likes? But we've been waiting a little bit too long at this point for Aaron Rodgers. He's going to the Jets. We know it. But the latest updates are, granted, fighting compensation right now and what that actually will be. Now, the Packers know they're never going to have Aaron Rodgers play for their franchise again. Credit them because there's no real deadline at this point. Like, you need Aaron Rodgers in camp. Nathaniel Hackett is the offensive coordinator for the New York Jets, which means he's bringing the Green Bay playbook with him. Aaron Rodgers already knows that playbook and terminology. He'll jump right into that team and certainly get busy. There's no worry about that. But we also heard this week, And it's rumors that are starting up. And rumors do start when things don't happen according to plan. We thought it might take a few days after Aaron Rodgers said he wanted to be a Jet. It hasn't done that. So now it leads people to speculate as if the San Francisco 49ers 
are now going to be in, possibly, on Aaron Rodgers. By the way, if they do that and he's healthy, they probably win the Super Bowl. But it seems like he's locked and loaded for the Jets. Because also, if that doesn't happen, what the heck were the Jets doing? You could have had Derek Carr. You could have had Jimmy Garoppolo, which is better than what you currently have now. Boy, that would be a monster story in the Big Apple if Aaron Rodgers does not go there. I think he's going there. I think the rest of us think that as well. Let's check in on some other quarterbacks in the AFC and find out what they're actually doing. Come on back. It's Moneyline, hour number two. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Moneyline here, hour number two, Sirius XM Channel 159. It's your boy DRS. Going over some hot topic conversations here in the NFL. One of those hot topic conversations, the Baltimore Ravens. And are they officially on the clock for a quarterback in the draft? Say what? Yeah, that's what we're hearing. If anybody watched earlier this week, the press conference from the Baltimore Ravens about the draft, please don't ask us any questions about Lamar Jackson. Just ask us about the draft. So everybody in that audience was crafting their answers around, okay, let's say Lamar Jackson isn't your quarterback and you trade him. Will you draft quarterback this year? And they basically said, well, depending on if we trade up, trade back, or stay in our spot, we do have four quarterbacks that we do believe will be game changers in the NFL. So if we have Lamar, if we don't have Lamar, yes, we possibly could be in the market, yeah, for a quarterback which I don't know how this is going to play out in the end. They continue to say, they being the Baltimore Ravens, we want Lamar Jackson back. 200% in on Lamar Jackson. He's our guy. But he just has to lower maybe his demands, per se, of what he actually wants guaranteed money-wise. We're going to make him one of the highest-paid players in the history of the NFL, but we just can't give to him 100% guaranteed. So... Let's take that out of the equation here. Now, if Lamar Jackson had an agent, eh, you know what? I think a deal would have been done by now. And if you've been watching news or reading, the one guy who basically seems like he has every single player in his grasp, that's Agent Drew Rosenhaus. And I do believe he is right, to be honest. If Drew Rosenhaus was Lamar Jackson's agent, I actually think he would be signed by now. And not for Lamar saying, look, I'm not signing for anything less than what I think I deserve and being fully guaranteed. You still need a middleman. That's why you have real estate agents and buyers and sellers. Because you don't want to be in the room and disrespecting both sides, which technically they're doing anyway, but you have a buffer. My house is worth $400,000. No, it's not. I'll offer you three seventy-five. dollars No, it's worth $400,000. i will give you three seventy-five. dollars Need some new paint in the inside. Saw some carpets that have to get ripped up. There are some foundation issues. We found a little bit of mold. And the pool in the backyard is going to need a new filter. That's why we're going to give you three seventy-five. So, meeting of the minds, you go back and forth, and typically, it works out in the end, because why? 
The two agents talk to each other. They blend things in. Let me go back to my client. I know they're not going to like this offer, but let me see how far they're willing to go. Do you see how that is? Instead of DaCosta calling directly to Lamar Jackson and saying, hey, Lamar, how's it going today, buddy? Good. How's it going with you? A uh, new offer here. Five years, $250 million, buck fifty guaranteed. Oh, is that what you're offering me? Well, here's my counter. Five years, two fifty, every single penny of that guaranteed. Yeah, we're not giving to you. Yeah, we don't call my phone number anymore. So then maybe those two sides aren't talking as much as they should. But agents would. And also what your agent does. Do you remember the big hubbub and all the issues that Lamar Jackson was running into? Because seemingly a guy who made a, a outdoor fitness portable gym was calling around to NFL teams on behalf of Lamar Jackson, saying what they think he's worth and what he thinks they should pay him. And they had to put out a statement being the NFL and the Players Association saying, hey, look, watch out for just a guy calling random teams saying he is representing the best interests of Lamar Jackson, which Lamar Jackson probably shot down. And then you saw like five minutes later, hey, buy my home gym outside. Fantastic stuff. But I do believe if there was an agent, Lamar Jackson and truly Drew Rosenhaus probably be the perfect agent, would either work out a deal with the Baltimore Ravens or have had him on the move. But it does make it interesting when you see Lamar Jackson and the Ravens at this standstill. But there's, there's no way. Like, first off, something has to take place before the NFL draft. I think we can all agree, that, right? And if it doesn't, if the Ravens go draft a quarterback, do they just cut Lamar Jackson? I'm going to be honest at this point. I mean, if Lamar Jackson probably just wanted to get a top five all-time deal as a quarterback and not fully guaranteed 100%, he'd have a new team by now, and they'd be happy to have him draft compensation worked out. But a lot of things are working against the 26-year-old quarterback, most notably the contract where he wants fully guaranteed money, and they're not willing to give him that. So it's a bad state of affairs there down in Baltimore. And we'll see what happens and it works out. But if I had to put money on it right now, I don't think Lamar Jackson is back with the Baltimore Ravens. And does it get to the point here if the Ravens do draft a quarterback in the draft that they tell other teams, yeah, the transition tag is still going to be there at the $32 million, but we'll put it out here right now. We're not matching any offer. You could give him one year and $2 million, and he says we'll take it. We won't match it because we got our quarterback, and we just want the two first-round draft picks at this point. That really can happen. Now, continually talking quarterbacks here. We'll keep it in the AFC. That's Mac Jones and the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. What the heck is going on in New England? You drafted this guy just a few short years ago to be your franchise guy, and now you're already on the outs. But we can't say that we did not see this coming. Why? I always bring up that freezing cold, windy game in Buffalo where Bill Belichick had zero faith in his young quarterback and basically told him, do not throw the football because I don't think it's sustainable for us to win. You can't win us this game, but you can surely lose it if you start throwing the football a little bit too much, which means I believe he threw four passes or three passes that whole game. Right there set off alarm bells in my head that maybe this isn't the guy they thought he would be. 
But also, I'm not letting the Patriots off the hook because this is an entirely Mac Jones issue why he hasn't thrown for 40 touchdowns already in his career. Let's be honest with ourselves. Who are the skilled position weapons that Mac Jones has been throwing to the past couple years? Jacoby Myers. Stop it. The law firm out there. Get out of here. Yeah, you got a couple nice running backs. You way overspent in free agency for a couple tight ends that didn't work out for you. I mean, my goodness. And also, if you're the New England Patriots, you're shopping Matt Jones? What are you shopping him for? You just used a first-round draft pick on the guy. He's been your starter. You actually think you're going to flip him for something? What is it, a fifth round? A fourth-round pick at this point? I mean, Bill Belichick has been a disaster after Tom Brady left, who could no longer make up for all his shortcomings in the draft and personnel. Because Tom Brady made up for a ton there. Now you actually have to dip in like Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be the one that leads Mac Jones into a fantastic season? Come on now, Bill. At least you brought Bill O'Brien back, somebody who's actually called plays before on offense, not have an offensive coordinator that was a defensive guy. How ridiculous that was. But Mac Jones being on the block just doesn't make any sense. And if you're telling me New England, Bailey Zappi is your guy that you want to lean on. I don't know what's going on there. And also, how about Bill Belichick and the old... Hey, by the way, Meek Mill called the owner, Robert Kraft, and said, you know not be a great quarterback for your organization? I think I could be the middleman. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. So Robert Kraft had to answer in public about Lamar Jackson. So we don't know where the Patriots are going, but it looks like they're going south. This team used to rule the AFC East. Now it looks like they're going to be a perennial bottom dweller. If you get any decent quarterback play down in Miami, you're going to smoke New England. The New York Jets, if they get Aaron Rodgers, they're way better than the New England Patriots. And the Bills are the Bills at this point. So New England went from being that minus 250 every year to win the division to getting close to a touchdown now. And I don't mean minus or plus seven, like a plus 750 number. Not to win the Super Bowl, to win their own division. My, have the, the mighty fallen there, right? Now, also, a little bit more of an extension of the quarterback position here, which was in New England. Do you remember when Mac Jones got drafted, who the quarterback was supposed to be for that season for the New England Patriots? It was Cam Newton. Came into training camp. I thought Cam Newton was going to win the job because of Bill Belichick's apparent affinity for Cam Newton. Love him, works hard, awesome, great team guy, blah, blah, blah. Then they had a rookie in Mac Jones. And as training camp was going along, it looked like, you know what? Maybe Mac Jones can actually win this starting job for the New England Patriots. But I said to myself, you know what would be awesome? If they kept Mac Jones and Cam Newton. And Cam Newton was willing to accept a backup role where he'd be the short yardage guy. And boy, would he be good at that job. Because Cam Newton can run. He still can. He's a giant body. Look what the Philadelphia Eagles do. Look what Taysom Hill does. Cam Newton can do a lot of those things. 
Short yard is third and one, quarterback sneak, handoff, wildcat, and be able to throw a pass. He can do it all. But Cam Newton believes that he is a starter in the NFL, and you can't tell me there's X amount of players better than me at the quarterback position. He had a workout, nobody called, and now he's changing his tune. And I gotta let I gotta say, I like the tune that he changed it to. He also gave out a list of who he'd want to play for. Find out who that is next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ah, Cam Newton. Where will he land? <laughs> Sam like Donnie. Why are you even talking about Cam Newton? Because it is an interesting topic, and I do believe he can actually help out an NFL team in the right situation. As I told you, before he got cut from the New England Patriots, I thought it was the perfect spot for him to be in. Mac Jones would run the offense. He would come in in short-yarded situations, maybe goal line inside the five, and it could work in a perfect harmony. But either he or Bill didn't see eye-to-eye, wanted to be cut loose, wanted to start elsewhere, and thought he actually could do that. Turns out he couldn't, and there's not much of a, you know, marketplace for him. But he did give a list of nine teams that he would play for. Number one on that list, the Bucs. Now, actually, these aren't in order. The Browns are on the list, which means he would want to back up Deshaun Watson on the Cleveland Browns. Makes some sense, right? A mobile quarterback. Now, granted, I don't think there's any value whatsoever in Cam Newton being a starting quarterback. I don't think there is at all. If Cam Newton is your guy under center and that's his primary thing, you're going to lose a lot of football games and not throw for very many yards and certainly piss off your wide receivers. No question in my mind. But if you do use him in short yardage situations, it makes some sense. But then again, the Browns have one of the ultimate short yardage guys in Deshaun Watson if he is healthy and playing and playing well. Or back to the, you know, Close to MVP status that he was playing before he got injured and de facto suspended for a year. Also, the Ravens are on this list. And it has in quotation marks. Or excuse me, in parentheses. Or whichever team Jackson ends up with. Again, it's not the point here. Like, hey, I can run the team if if, uh, he goes down. And when I say he goes down, obviously, Lamar Jackson. If he's still, let's just say, in Baltimore. I'm like, no, you're not going to come in a short yardage situation. Because he's the ultimate running back at quarterback. You want to talk about running a read option inside the 10-yard line, that's your guy. I don't know why Cam Newton would even fit in on that team. The Chicago Bears, once again, an athletic quarterback in Justin Fields. That's not the point, Lamar. Or excuse me, it's not the point, Cam Newton. Like, why are you going to back, you want to go to back up three active quarterbacks because you think you can run the offense? You can't. You're used for short-yarded situation. Kid for the Bears can get after it on short yards, man. You see the wheels on him last year? He's a thousand yard guy, a quarterback, if he wants to be. Justin Fields doesn't need a backup like that, and you won't take control of that team. Now, we get to my favorite spot here for Cam Newton if he lands the Miami Dolphins. Now, Donnie, what would you say the Miami Dolphins? Stop it. Well, they just re up Tua for the, or picked up the uh, final year of the rookie contract for Tua. They're fine. That's going to be their guy, and I understand that is their guy. But isn't that the perfect situation, the perfect scenario? Look what the Philadelphia Eagles do with Jalen Hurts. 31 fourth and one, they just go, okay, hut, hut, hike. Hut, hut, hike. 
boom, bang, bing, one-yard game by the quarterback because the entire offense moves forward, and you might be able to take shots at Jalen Hurts, but he's young and talented and healthy, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's wild. It really is. He would be perfect to do that with the Dolphins. That's where he's supposed to go. And now that he said he's willing to be a backup, that's exactly not the start. Skylar Thompson, even, let's just say Tua, doesn't even make it to game one, game two, game three, and they start Skylar Thompson again. I don't want Cam Newton as my starting quarterback. I want Cam Newton as my short yardage guy. He fits so good with the Dolphins. So, so good. Other teams Cam Newton looking at here. The Titans, again, if they re-sign or bring back, let's just say, Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill's a good short yardage guy because he's mobile athletic, he's big and strong, and he can do a quarterback sneak. They don't need him there. The Philadelphia Eagles, who now have Marcus Mariota on the team, they have no use for Cam Newton as a quarterback. Jalen Hurts is the ultimate weapon, as he used to call Randall Cunningham in the early 90s, at short yardage situations. They are the master blaster best in the business at doing that. They don't need Cam Newton. Now, the Jets is interesting here because if you get Aaron Rodgers, you don't want to subject Aaron Rodgers to all those hits. But good luck telling Aaron Rodgers on third and one at the goal line that he's not going to be your quarterback. You're not doing that. And again, when you're talking about the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, they don't need Cam Newton. Like if Aaron Rodgers goes down, Cam Newton's not going to take over that offense. But he can be a short yardage guy. But again quarterbacks with that much say and that much power like Aaron Rodgers has, he's never going to want to come off the field in that type of situation. The Buffalo Bills, he said he would go to as a backup. They have Josh Allen, again, one of the ultimate weapons in football on third and short inside the 10-yard line. They don't need him. And also, again, the same simple fact, if Josh Allen does go down, they're not going to turn their offense over to Cam Newton. He can't throw the football. The Washington Commanders is an interesting one. So he's going to try to come in and back up Sam Howell. Now, that might make a little bit of sense here. Veteran guy in the room. I'm not hating on it there. But again, if he is going to be in your lineup full time, you're going nowhere at this point. So just something to keep an eye on with Cam Newton. I do think, again, I've been saying it for weeks, the Miami Dolphins is a great landing spot. And now that Cam Newton is open to being a backup, maybe it does make some sense here. News and notes around the NFL. How about this? Patrick Mahomes getting together with the boys, throwing the football around. Special guest appearance by who? Andy Reid? No. Trey Lance of the San Francisco 49ers working out this offseason with Patrick Mahomes and a couple of the wide receivers from the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Trey Lance looking to make a dent for the 49ers this year, even after everything that's coming out, everything that he doesn't want to be in town, and also the San Francisco 49ers telling you personally that they don't want him to be the starting quarterback de facto. They want it to be Brock Purdy. He won the starting job. He should be ready by training camp. Good luck, Trey Lance. So Trey Lance is going to be out there on the men, maybe looking for a new football team already, even after all of that draft capital that the 49ers gave up to actually get him. Now, obviously, he's not going to go to the 49ers. At least we don't think he's going to the 49ers. He's not going to get cut, and the Niners aren't going to trade him to the 49ers. No doubt about that. That's not happening here. 
but certainly some impacts here of who we think can actually win the AFC and the NFC. If you get a really good season out of Brock Purdy, if he is healthy, it's going to be hard to say that San Francisco 49ers aren't good enough to win the NFC. Now, also at the same time, the Philadelphia Eagles tied with the 49ers, both at a plus 350 price to win the NFC. Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, a plus 650 price to win the NFC. And one I still can't get used to. After all these years of being a horrendous football team, the Detroit Lions in the NFC coming in at a 9-to-1 price. It's still, I'm telling you, it's still hard to read at this point. And I like where they're going. I like the direction of that franchise. You know, a lot of people laughed at Dan Campbell when he was spouting off some nonsense and stuff, right? Ah, bite your kneecaps off. Take into the deep water. Things weren't working out well. Well, that team fights. And that team fought enough at the end of the year where they had their coaches back in a game against the Green Bay Packers and ended up winning that thing and knocking the Packers out of the playoffs. But that will never not surprise me to see them that high. Also, we're in a holding pattern here for what? The New York Jets and the AFC? A plus 950 price to win the Super Bowl? We're waiting for that one. Where does that price go if he doesn't show up there? Plummets. Where does that price go when he does show up there? I don't know how much more movement you're going to get, but I don't think it obviously gets lower if they get Aaron Rodgers there, right? I don't think that happens. So there's still a lot to be decided on where some of these guys go. But also, keep in mind, the NFL draft is coming up. That's in a few short weeks at this point. Taking a look at Todd McShay's mock draft here and where we think that's going to go. He thinks the number one overall pick is going to be C.J. Stroud going to the Carolina Panthers. And if we take a look here at the FanDuel Sportsbook to go number one overall, C.J. Stroud at a minus 135, which has actually dropped. Boy, you want to talk about a smokescreen market that's been bouncing back and forth. That's been going on between the first pick and the second pick in the draft, which we expect to be Bryce Young. And he has Bryce Young going number two overall to the Houston Texans here is how it's listed. So one-two punch, I can't argue with it. I don't think you can lose either as an NFL franchise, regardless of either guy you take, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Number three, he actually has a trade here where the Indianapolis Colts come up to the third spot and grab Anthony Richardson out of Florida. And he also the favorite here to be the third player taken in the draft at a minus 150 price. Look, you have that first pick, C.J. Stroud, minus 135, Bryce Young, plus 110. Bryce Young to go number two, minus 110. Anthony Richardson, as we just said, in a mock trade here for Todd McShay to go to the Colts. Now, if you're the Colts, right, I understand that you need a quarterback. You know what I mean? It makes some sense. 
But wouldn't you just try to reach out? And I know it's hard to do because maybe the Ravens aren't aren't really putting out feelers like, hey, you signed this guy to a contract, talking about Lamar Jackson. We're, we're, we're going to match it because that means the deal's out there. Nobody wants to do that heavy work. But, boy, who would you rather have for the Colts at this point? Anthony Richardson, a quarterback, or trade that first pick, which would be Anthony Richardson, and next year's one, and get yourself a quarterback that you can at least win football games with, and maybe Shane Steichen coming over for the Philadelphia Eagles can work a little bit of magic there. That was what would make some sense for me. Another wild card here in the top 10 is where Jalen Carter is going to go. The star defensive tackle for Georgia. Off the field issues, yes. Getting hurt, not looking that great in his workouts in the offseason here, not great. But still an unbelievable talent. And he has Jalen Carter, defensive tackle Georgia, going to Seattle at five. Some other interesting names here. A couple cornerbacks off the board. By the time we get to the Eagles at 10, Lucas Van Ness, defensive end for Iowa. You know the Eagles always looking to add edge rushers. Edge rushers and cornerbacks and offensive tackles, what the Eagles really cherish. Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver. I believe the first wide receiver off the board here at 11 to the Tennessee Titans. So that does make some sense. They need to get some impact players. I mean, they basically gave up A.J. Brown to the Philadelphia Eagles who had a monster year in order to draft Traylon Burks, who stunk last year. Now, he's still young. We'll see how it turns out. But as we talked with Mike Vrabel, I didn't talk with him, but the press talked with him. And by the way, there's rumors that you're going to get rid of A.J. Brown. Not over my dead body. As long as I'm the head coach here for the Tennessee Titans, A.J. Brown's going to be a Titan. Literally like two days later, he was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. Unbelievable times there. But there's a lot of action coming up, and you can win a lot of money in the draft here if you know some information on where some of these players might end up landing, like a Will Levis. Where does he actually go? Does he get in the top 10? Does he fall the first round or completely out of the first round? Quick segment left to go here. Hour number two of Moneyline. We'll be back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Quick second here and hour number two. By the way, you know, I like to go to the movies every once in a while. I'm more of a guy that waits for the movies to come out on HBO or pay-per-view. You can watch them in the comfort of your own home. The one movie that opened this week that caught my eye was Air. Story of Michael Jordan going to Nike here. Now, the reason I bring this up is I do want to watch it because it's got some good actors in it. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Jason Bateman, Viola Davis. Chris Tucker actually in it. Marlon Wayans, who actually plays George Raveling. But as I scroll down and look, obviously, again, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are in there. Sonny Vaccaro is the character that Matt Damon plays. And that's the guy who revolutionized the shoe industry, per se, on getting professional athletes to sign with certain, you know, shoe companies. Ben Affleck, who plays Phil Knight. And it's getting some really good ratings at this point here. Jason Bateman is Rob Strasser. Viola Davis plays, I believe, Dolores Jordan, who is Jordan's mom. Also, a guy named Julius Tennant, who plays James Jordan. So you know what I've been looking for right now? I'm scrolling down going, well, who plays Michael Jordan? Nobody. Like You, you have a movie 
about Michael Jordan, but I don't see anybody who actually plays Michael Jordan listed here on Rotten Tomatoes. So uh, is he not in any clip? Now, granted, I'm not talking about you need Michael Jordan himself in the movie, but in the movie about Michael Jordan signing with Nike, does he not actually have a character in the movie? That can't be, right? What am I missing here? It would have been interesting to see who actually played Michael Jordan, but even better, a movie about Michael Jordan without a character called Michael Jordan. That's even more impressive here. But I am looking forward to go watch that because I enjoy stories of how things went down. And as I said, the revolutionization of the shoe business here. The revolution has begun under Sonny Vaccaro and continues to today. Interesting stuff. No Michael Jordan? Come on now. You got to make that happen. But that'll shut it down here for Moneyline Hour number two. Christian behind the wheels of steel. Donnie Wright side here. We'll see you again.